For our next coffee story, Mallory's been looking into fair trade. A fairly simple idea, you might think. Well, not quite. The fair trade movement was born out of the desire for an alternative way to get coffee from farm to cup, one that could improve the lives of the people who grow our coffee. But as Mallory found out, in 2012, the fair trade movement suffered an ugly breakup that resulted in two different organizations, both claiming the fair trade label. So we're here in the grocery store right now. I'm with my friend Eric, who is a total coffee geek. He just knows a lot about coffee quality. I do. So we're walking through the coffee aisle. Right, and I mean, so I'm lost. There's just so many different... There's a lot of options. options. This one says fair trade certified. Fair trade. Oh, that's a different fair trade label, though. Yes. Is that the same thing? I don't know. That's really unclear. Is this how long it takes you to uh, pick coffee normally? Normally, I just buy the same coffee every time. They're different from each other, too. Yes. Is that one the same as the fair trade from Sweden? No, that one is different. In the past, if you saw a fair trade label, you could assume a few things. First, you'd know the grower was earning a certain minimum price per pound of coffee. And second, the farmer's community was earning a premium that would go toward education, infrastructure development, technology, things like that. And finally, and this is the important part, you'd know the coffee was grown by a small farmer. But that changed a couple of years ago. It was a huge controversy. It's kind of like a divorce, a a bitter divorce. That's Jeff Goldman, the executive director of Fair Trade Resource Network. Fair Trade was a unified international group with a common set of goals until 2012. Then, in a surprise move, an American faction split from the international fair trade community to form Fair Trade USA. The U.S. group split from the international fair trade community in part because of different beliefs about how to increase the impact of fair trade and who should benefit. Fair Trade USA wanted to have that freedom to, to be independent and to, you know, they call it innovate, and other people who disagree with them call it um, kind of to disrespect the rest of the movement and do what they want to do despite people's opinions about what fair trade is. Okay, Mallory, explain this to me. Is there an agreed definition of fair trade? So there's no international definition of fair trade. There's just a disagreement about what it should mean between these two groups. And what was this disagreement about? So it pretty much boils down to a disagreement between the two factions about who gets to benefit from fair trade. There are basically two ways of producing coffee. There are small scale farmers and there are big plantations. Fair Trade USA thinks that the benefits of fair trade shouldn't be limited to small farmers and co-ops. It should be extended to hired workers on plantations, even if those plantations are owned by multinationals. So one of the original purposes of the fair trade movement was to protect small-scale farmers who have a hard time making a living because of the supply and demand economics of the coffee trade. And what are the economics of the coffee trade? Because big plantations have so much more land and so much more technology and more people working on the farm, they're able to produce a lot more coffee than small-scale farmers can. And this floods the market with coffee and drives the prices way down. And small-scale farmers just can't make enough coffee to make a living when the prices are that low. So many of them go hungry in Latin America for certain months of the year that they even have a name for it in Spanish. They call it los meses flacos, which means the lean months. Okay, I've got this. So basically, Fairtrade USA wanted to certify some of those plantations, but Fairtrade International, the side Jeff Goldman's on, thought that was a step too far. 
And a lot of critics of the separation say that Fair Trade USA did it kind of secretly and did it on their own and didn't consult many stakeholders at all, especially the main beneficiaries who would be farmers. Jeff feels like Fair Trade USA's decision to certify plantations could undermine the very point of Fair Trade, which is to help small farmers get out of the cycle of poverty they've been stuck in for decades. He says the farmers are worried about the same thing. Most of the Fair Trade producer groups spoke up against the split, and one of them, uh, the best organized, is the one in Latin America called the CLAC. Back in September 2011, the Latin American and Caribbean Network of Small Fair Trade Producers released an official statement opposing Fair Trade USA's initiative. The board president, Merling Preza Ramos, wrote, quote, We as CLAC join the regret caused by the departure of Fair Trade USA, and we express the fact that we cannot share its new vision of expansion since it threatens the empowerment, development, and self-management of small, organized producers. And, um, really urging Fair Trade USA not to do it, to come back to the international system. Um, and they were so hurt you know, by this split and by how it threatened, what they see it threatened small producer fair trade, that they went to great expense to not only continue to support Fair Trade International and to not support Fair Trade USA, but to form their own new certification system called the Small Producer Symbol. To get to the other side of this big split, I visited a Los Angeles roastery. So this machine is very unique. It ties in with our sustainability um, philosophy in that traditional machines will have to use larger burners to roast this amount of coffee. That's Jeff Cheen of Groundwork Coffee in Los Angeles. He showed me around the Groundwork Roastery in North Hollywood. Clear plastic containers lined the walls from floor to ceiling, filled with beans that Jeff can identify and distinguish at a glance from their slight differences in shape, size, and colors. And right in front of me was the actual roasting machine. Get that soot going on there, you can see. You can see the orange glow. It looks like the back of the Batmobile. It's big and loud. The guy working on it pours the green coffee beans in one end and brown roasted beans spill out the other end. But it's not a simple process. In, a, in artisanship, well, there's art. That's why it's called artisanship. And what the art is, is finding the coffee and um, figuring out how best to express the qualities that you fell in love with about it. Like the other Jeff, this Jeff, Jeff Cheen, is a big believer in fair trade. Fair trade is not so much a priority as being fair. My hot button really is sustainability and taking being good stewards of the land. And I think being good stewards of the land you know, part and parcel of that is being good to your people and honest with your in, your in your business relations. But when it comes to the split between the U.S. fair trade group and the rest of the world, Jeff gave me a slightly different explanation of why it happened. I believe why there was a split between the European and the American or United States uh, fair trade is because the market was outgrowing the fair trade concepts, the way that they were being applied. All that means is that when the dust settled, his company came down on the side of the Americans. The argument that Jeff Cheen makes is that many of the plantation owners are already improving the lives of their workers by building schools, houses, providing medical care. So why shouldn't they also be able to get fair trade accreditation? I think inclusiveness is a good thing. So if they're big and they want to be included, they should be included. If they want to meet the standards that are being set, you know, whether it's small or big or anything, it should be inclusive. And so why do you think Fairtrade International didn't want to expand in the way that Fairtrade USA has and become more inclusive? I mean, sometimes for people, change is 
hard, right? And uh, it's why, why fix the machine if it's not broken? So that's why we now have not one, but two fair trade labels. But there's a bigger issue that we haven't talked about yet. Even though it would be nice to extend the benefits of fair trade to plantation workers, the majority of coffee produced by small-scale fair trade farmers isn't even sold as fair trade coffee. Wait, so people are buying coffee that isn't listed as fair trade that might have been produced by a fair trade farmer? How is that possible? So it all goes back to the economics of it. Demand for fair trade coffee in the U.S. has grown a lot recently, but it's still only 2% of the U.S. coffee market. So it's not nearly enough to absorb all the coffee being produced by small farmers under fair trade terms. Only one third of the coffee produced by small farmers is bought and sold at the fair trade price. So that means that two thirds of the coffee being produced by fair trade farmers is sold at the conventional price. There's simply not enough demand yet for fair trade. So fair trade can't fully meet the needs of the small producers who are certified. Fair trade demand is well short of supply. And it's uh, pretty well documented that only about one-third of the coffee that is produced under fair trade terms is sold under fair trade terms because demand's not high enough. The international fair trade community says maybe one day certifying big plantations will be a good idea. But right now, it's too soon. If we expand the fair trade market to include plantations now, then small farmers will be outcompeted in the one niche carved out to keep them afloat. Fair trade is one really positive alternative that brings some additional benefits. And in the short term, if we grow the demand and awareness for fair trade goods, that one third of, of coffee that's sold under fair trade terms could grow to two thirds, maybe 90%, maybe 100%. And then it'd be great to talk about how to expand fair trade to more producer groups.